Good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever it is, wherever you are, everybody. Hi, I'm Ara Wagner, and I am leading the Android Central podcast again. It's been a hot minute, but Daniel is on a much-needed vacation, so here with me today, I have Jerry Hildenbrand. Hey, what's going on? I have Harish Gandalahara. I hope I pronounced that right. Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. It's good to be back. <laughs> it is very good to have you, and we have Alex Doby. Hey, how's it going? It's it's going good here. How's it going in your neck of the woods? Uh, it's not too bad. It's pretty hot, and um, I've just got done encoding the OnePlus Nord 2 review, so uh, I guess we'll talk about that in a little bit, but other than that, it's pretty good. Oh, we're going to talk about that right now. So OnePlus Nord 2, we're recording this on Thursday. The embargo just dropped 15 minutes ago, so Harish and Alex, you actually have this phone and have used this phone, so what are your thoughts on the OnePlus Nord 2? This pretty much has the exact same priorities as last year's Nord. Um, it's it's a it's that idea, but brought together with 2021 tech. Um, if you're expecting you know a drastic sort of departure from what we saw last year, then maybe you'll be disappointed. But basically, what you have here is um, some of the sort of nice to have extras end up falling by the wayside. But you do have uh, all the things that made the first Nord great. You have that big, beautiful screen. You have a lot of computational horsepower. You've got that new Dimensity chip from MediaTek, which is a big deal. Um, and other than that, you just have all the right corners cut in all the right places to make a really sort of nice overall phone at around the uh, the 400 pound, 400 euro mark. Yep. It looks like a beautiful phone. Harish, you you wrote the review on this and I, I just have to shout it out really quickly. I love these review photos that your wife takes. She is amazing. So go look at the review if you haven't yet, people, because these pictures are so fun and colorful and vivid. I just love it. But Harish, you've been using this phone. What have you uh what have you been liking or disliking? I know that it uh the OnePlus Nord 2 has the more colorless designed uh software on it this time. So I know that that's gonna be a little bit of a change. Yeah, uh right now. I don't see that much of a change, particularly with Oxygen OS 11.3. That's the first version that's built using the Color OS code base. So earlier this year, OnePlus merged its code base, Oxygen OS code base with Color OS because it wanted to deliver faster updates. It didn't want two folks of a software that were essentially merging together anyway. Um, So this is the first time we're seeing that. And there aren't too many user interface i mean interface facing changes at this moment because oneplus is using its own um gallery its own calculator app um so all of those things and the oneplus launcher is still intact so with the app drawer and you know most of the things that you actually interacted with your phone those haven't changed in any significant way from oxygen os 11 that we've seen later uh, earlier in the year but I think we will see a more noticeable shift once we get to Oxygen OS 12 um, with the OnePlus 9T later in the year. And that should give us a better indication as to how Oxygen OS evolves and what the future holds, because that will see a more significant impact on the interface, particularly with OnePlus shifting over to Oppo stock apps and that sort of stuff. But for now, I think the only noticeable change is with the settings um, where the settings menu has been recategorized. It's easier and better organized. Uh, at least I feel so. So other than a few changes like that, there aren't that many, you know, things that users will notice because there hasn't been an overlap between Oppo and OnePlus users anyway in the markets where they sell their phones. Oppo phones have usually been sold 
at offline stores where it was like a more retail experience whereas OnePlus only sold its phones online so and the target audience also differed because OnePlus always went for enthusiast users so i don't see many people actually noticing a lot of change but it is interesting that OnePlus actually chose to go with ColorOS for its skin yeah and i think you you're right harish what we're we're really going to see the result of this change later in the year when we get to auction OS 12 right now you really have to know where to look with the possible exception of the camera app to actually tell that it's it's running this uh this combined code base and um yeah, if and when we see something that's a little bit more ColorOS-like in, in future OnePlus phones, we'll have to see what the, the reaction is there. Personally, I wouldn't mind it looking a bit more like ColorOS. ColorOS is actually nice these days, um, but it does it, it represents just another step away from OnePlus's sort of enthusiast roots where it's, um, you know, you imagine your OnePlus 2 all those years ago when Oxygen OS first came out, it was this um stock android plus it was customizations that made sense and you know we've seen that go away a little bit over the past year with auction os 11 and this new sort of opinionated design but if it does turn out to be just okay that the, the, they're not being particularly discreet about the relationship with um oppo and it's it's very clear that they are an oppo um uh, sub brand these days um what does it mean for them if it's basically just color os with a different launcher in future uh, and i think that's going to be an interesting interesting to see how they spin that in in the months ahead yeah that should be fun that should be a fun evolution to see because i really like the things that color os does particularly in terms of the camera because that has been a problem for oneplus over the last i don't know how many years it's been a problem with oneplus forever and speaking yeah. of those cameras how are those new that 50 megapixel uh sensor that we've got here wait wait i can answer this one it sucks <laughs> <laughs> on the one plus anything it sucks Aww, it's actually scary. good no it's yeah. uh, so the main the main camera is good and again this this, this is where you go back to having this basically the same priorities as last year right so last year um it, you you i think you had like four cameras last year but you might as well have only had one because the all of them except the main one were pretty bad um this year you know you have three uh one is a black and white camera that you're not going to care about because it doesn't do much um, you got your main, your ultra wide. The ultra wide is fine. Um, it kind of sucks in low light. Uh, obviously, most of the bill of materials is going into that main camera, and um, you know it's a it's a proven chip, a, a proven um, sensor. We, we've seen it in the um, the OnePlus uh, Nine Pro is the ultra wide, and as the main camera in the Oppo Find X Three Pro. So um, you know it's the same engineers working with the same um, sensor, and it produces you know predictably very good results, whether it's photo, nightscape, uh, or video. Take a dim room and let your dog run across the floor and catch a picture of them. That's when a camera's good. But you've also got to remember, Jerry, this is, um, you know, this this is like a third of the price of uh, a phone that actually could take that kind of photo of, you know. It's, oh, so it's in the a UK, third of a price of a Pixel 4? Um, well, no, but it's it's a third of a price of, of the top-end Samsung phone. Yeah, right? yeah, I get it. For OnePlus, it's probably pretty good. It is. And what where it counts is that it's much better than the Nord, and that's its yep. target audience right there. Yep. So how is battery life on this? Because I'm assuming that the OnePlus Nord 2 is going to be slightly, I think it got a slightly bigger battery, but it also increased the, uh, it also came with 5G this year. So was there much of a trade-off for connectivity that either of you saw? It had 5G last year as well. Basically, it's it's just straight up battery gains this year um, because the the screen 
Um, well, it's not the same screen, it's an upgraded screen, but it's still 1080p uh, 90 hertz. Uh, and you have a, a more efficient SOC this year. Uh, so uh, basically it's, um, you know, I've been really impressed uh, with the battery life on this. It's not multi-day, you know, it's arguably not even as good as the Pixel 5, but it's still pretty good. And to the point where you'll, whatever you're doing in a day, you'll never need to worry about, um, you know, a midday recharge. Um, That's all that matters, isn't yes, it? Pretty it much. Is. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when talking about battery life, we also need to consider the shift to color OS because one of those behind the scenes changes is that battery management algorithms are all now from color OS and they've traditionally done a better job at managing battery life and <laughs> killing background apps, that sort of stuff, more than Oxygen OS uh, with the nine series non notwithstanding. But yeah, I haven't noticed any issues on that front. And with 65 watt fast charging, I mean, I don't even leave this plugged in overnight anymore because I think it takes just over 35 or 40 minutes to fully charge the battery. So yeah, I don't have any issues on that front. Absolutely. Same, same experience here. Um, it's been, been really good. And I, like I said, arguably better than the flagships um, in, in terms of reliably getting a full day out of this phone. Yeah, it makes me wish this phone was coming to the US. But however, it is only going to be in Europe and India right now, correct? That's right. And India is getting an exclusive 6GB model because, you know, it's a very price-sensitive market. Yeah. Uh, but that'll be very limited. That's going to be just like a paper launch because that's what ended up being within first-gen Nord. And India also gets a limited edition green woods colorway. It's basically a faux leather back similar to the, I think it'll be similar to the Find X2 Pro last year. But yeah, that's also launching, yeah. la launching later. Literally looks like the the very same material they used in the Find X2 last year. Yeah. Which makes me even more jealous um, that we're <laughs> not getting it. What What yeah. is the price in, in India and in Europe? And is there any difference between them? Um, yeah, there's a there's usually a difference. Um, in India, it starts off at 29,999 rupees for the 8GB, 128GB version. And I think in the UK, that's 400 pounds. And the same in the rest of Europe as well, uh, 400 euros. Um, so it's usually around uh, 50 to $100 less in India for any of these variants, just because OnePlus gets most of its uh, global yeah. sales from India and it wants to be competitive here. So that has been the case with the Nord as well. But I thought it would actually be costlier considering the hardware on offer. Um, so it's not too cost too much costlier than the first gen Nord. I think it's around a 30 to $40 increase in each market. And that's a pretty decent value overall. Yeah, and it's it's equally competitive in the UK, I think. Um, the interesting thing that for me using this over the past week or so has been, just like last year, I think the phone this really kills for me is is not any, any of the flagships, but more sort of the base model OnePlus 9. And, you know, you could argue that, okay, you got wireless charging, whatever else, but I really do think that in terms of like the core experience, the stuff you use every day, um, the Nord has most of it and most of the the extra few hundred that you would take to get up to that OnePlus 9 sort of level, not the 9 Pro, but the 9, um, you're very questionable as to whether it's it's actually worth it over the Nord. Yeah, that's a good point because I was thinking more in terms of the Nord CE. That's also a phone that they launched a month ago. I don't know why, because this effectively makes that phone obsolete. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a tough call. And I, I think the, the markets, actually, I don't know, do the markets line up exactly for the CE versus the uh, the Nord 2? I think the Nord 2 is $110 more in India. I think it's roughly around the same in the UK as well. 
So I don't know why anybody would buy that considering the outdated hardware um, when you get a much better overall package here. One last question. If let's say I was in the UK and I bought one and then I went to India, would it work? Or is it the same phone or are there slight differences to account for carrier networks? It should work fine. Um, they made a lot of changes with 5G this time. Uh, well, even with 4G, it has the relevant bands for India and a few carriers in the US. I think it works on T-Mobile just fine because I've used it the last time I was there. Um, and it should work fine with all carriers in, in the UK and India on 4G. Uh, there's no 5G in India yet and there won't be for at least another year or so. Um, but it at least has decent 5G bands. It has 11 total sub-6 5G bands in India and 17 in the UK and EU. So I think it should have coverage for most carriers in that part of the world. Yeah, I think the difference with when you look at the India skew is the, uh, um, especially as it relates to prices, that um, what you're seeing there is the difference when you manufacture in India, whereas that, you know, you'd, uh, obviously OnePlus isn't manufacturing in Europe and, you know, the, the situation would be different yeah. there anyway because they're importing them from, from China as opposed to making them uh, in the country. Yeah, that's true. And one more thing, one interesting point, because you mentioned connectivity, this actually has better connectivity than the OnePlus 9 series in India, because <laughs> the OnePlus 9 and 9 Pro only had one 5G band in the country. Um, so, yeah, I asked them why this has more and they're like, oh, we realized that we need to have a broader range of 5G connectivity bands. So I'm like, okay. What about the nine series then? Well, I mean, it has it has better battery life and arguably a better selfie camera than the more expensive phones too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think this is the first OnePlus phone that I actually used to take a selfie and didn't just immediately delete the photo. <laughs> <laughs> See, the phones like this fascinate me because somebody has to build a basic phone that just kind of works everywhere, but price it at a hundred bucks because Africa. Once, yeah. once India is fully saturated and they're almost there, everybody in India has a cell phone. Africa's yeah. next. And I, I hate, you know, I'm not trying to sound, you know, any way political or anything. Very few people in Africa can afford a $400, 400 pound cell phone. I mean, very few people in India can afford a... Yeah, I was going to say that pricing is so competitive in India just because that's the budget that yeah. most people have to work with. And yeah, yeah. That's, that's the thing. The budget in Africa would be 100 pounds, 100 euros, $150. I can't even begin to convert that into Indian currency because I can't even pronounce your currency. So... Uh, <laughs> Rupees, right? Yep. Oh, is it? See, yeah. I thought yeah. it was something crazy. I, I thought they moved to, never mind, I should just be quiet, but uh, I won't. <laughs> a Africa is the thing. I And, you know, I I don't have really strong ties to Africa, but I've been there and it's, it's there's a lot of people there that would love to have a smartphone. Yeah, I, I we're going off on a tangent, but I think yeah. that's a really good point because um, carriers in India are working towards that. Google is working with Geo to yep. launch a $40 phone called the Geo Phone 2. Um, and Google tried a lot of things in India because of its next billion users initiatives. Mm -hmm. And all of them have failed because Google, as much presence as it has in India, just doesn't have that say in the 
phone market. It doesn't, it, it's not seen as a hardware maker. Right. So all, it, all of its efforts around Android Go and Android One have failed several times. But what it's doing this time differently is that it's partnering with Geo. Now, Geo is like this massive carrier that has over 450 million subscribers. Um, so it's partnering with them to customize Android Go for their device. So it's optimizing Android Go for the hardware that the Geo Phone 2 will have um, so that, you know, all your apps will run smoothly and you won't see lag, even though it's basically very limited hardware. And the price point for that should be around the $30 to $40 figure. And that's crazy considering you're getting the full Play Store. And for $40, you don't mind if it takes a little bit extra time for an app to load. Absolutely. Yeah. And it'll be, I'm happy to see them. I will be happy to see them turn their attentions to Africa and help trying to drive the price further down because any innovations that they make there will trickle out to the rest of the smartphone market. So any innovation they make there is going to be good for all of us. But now we should probably wrap this up and move on. We need a quick break here and then we will get back and we will talk about Pixel Foldables and Horizon. Nothing moves faster than the speed of light, but hiring with Indeed comes awfully close. When you can't wait to find great talent, you need Indeed. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. Indeed Instant Match helps you make a short list of great candidates fast. The moment you sponsor a job, you get a list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Then you can invite them to apply right then. Indeed helps you hire great people fast. Plus, Indeed makes finding quality candidates even faster with 135 assessments to help make sure you find applicants with the right skills. Best of all, you only pay for applicants who meet your must-have qualifications. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash ACP. That's a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash ACP. Indeed.com slash ACP. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, everybody. So our, we have a couple of rumors this week, but we're only going to talk about one. And that's that there's a rumor that came out this week that thinks that the Google Pixel Foldable could launch this year because of Samsung's best display tech and the availability or purchase orders for it. But I'm not really feeling this. How about y'all? No, it's not launching in the U.S. or it would have been, you know, at least Bluetooth certification or the FCC would have happened by now. Yeah, I mean, if the Pixel Foldable was coming this year, it would have been leaked 500 times in the last two months. There's that, too. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to have yeah, <laughs> uh, going to have to contradict you guys a little bit. I have heard that it is coming. I don't know if it's coming this year, but it's definitely coming, and it's definitely part of that sort of... It's it's more this Pixel release cycle than next Pixel release cycle. Um, if I was 
putting money on it, I would say they would mention it probably at the October event, but we wouldn't see it until like December at the very earliest. Um, but they are definitely working on it. And um, obviously with any kind of foldable, it's a much more expensive product and probably it will be seen as like a hero device for this year's Pixels, whereas most people would you know go off and buy a Pixel 6 or a 6 Pro. Um, so I, from what I've heard, it's happening. Um, when it happens is... Um, you know, up in the air. Um, like I said, my my earliest guess would be December, but I wouldn't be surprised if it slipped to early next year. I think it's going to be kind of like the Pixel Buds 2020, where they were announced at Google I.O. in, what was it, the, the October event in 2019, but didn't launch until like May the following year. That's the that kind of I time frame see. that I could see. Like, we haven't seen any certification or anything from this. So if they show one off at Google I.O., it's going to be that is a pro that is either a prototype or that is a model, a final uh, re- candidate model that hasn't been gone sent through any testing certifications at all yet, which means that they which, haven't tested it and they can't get it, per, uh, they can't manufacture it until it does. So that would be at least a four to six month window after that. Agreed. I mean, I, I, at this point, I think everybody knows it's coming and it's coming sooner rather than later. But if they want to launch this thing in October, they have to be making them now. Yeah, Brandon, they only need to make 20 because they're not going to sell very many. Oh, I think yeah. they'll sell. And it depends what you mean by launch, right? I mean, uh, we've we've seen stuff before that's, you know, I mean, remember that um, uh, Galaxy Home thing that was perpetually, uh, you know. Ah, yes. <laughs> not suggesting this is going to be the same in any way, but obviously, you know, we could learn about this uh, a good long time before it ever actually yeah. uh, lands. Well, I mean, we saw stuff at CES that is still that is getting quote unquote launched now. Like Asus brought out all of its Chromebooks this week that they announced at CES in January, and I'm like, this isn't a launch. You you launched this in January. This is just it's going on sale, right? I see it the other way. You know, you can announce whatever. I think of launches. When can I buy it? This is true. So that that's what I mean. I not saying they won't announce it because if they're smart, they will. If they're smart, they'll announce it months in advance to try to build up hype. Yeah, I think at the very least they'll tease it, um, and that will that'll be an extra news item for the day. And it'll, like I said, it'll be a hero effect, and then you know most ninety nine percent of people who are interested will go out and buy a Pixel Six instead. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to see there like, oh, here's a waiting list to reserve them because I'm I have to believe that this is going to be expensive enough that they basically batch produce it in small portions and then sell all of those and then make another batch, right? They're not going to sell millions of these the way Samsung did. It's Rick Ostrello making each and every one by hand um, in Mountain View. <laughs> See, now that I'd be okay with, so long, as he could cust- so long as we could color customize it. That'd be, a, like they the could Moto keep X. up with demand. Yes. Moto Maker for the Pixels. Alrighty. Uh, the next little piece of smartphone news that we have is something that I'm kind of excited about but also wondering what took so long but Verizon has finally announced that it is going to be joining uh T-Mobile and AT&T and finally making Google Messages its default messaging app and its default for RCS. What the hell took so long for this? Like this should have happened a year and a half ago for all of these carriers, but especially for Verizon. Well, Verizon doesn't want to give control of its SMS network to Google, which is what Android, what Google's solution kind of does. Google is like iMessage in a, 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 in a way that your messages go through a Google server 
and Verizon just didn't want to do that. So what changed? Because I, I mean, they're they're doing it now. They're just hopping on the bandwagon that T-Mobile and AT and T yep. already did. Yep, I don't. I I have no idea what took them so long. It's not like they're going to lose or make any money either way. They don't charge for Verizon Messaging Plus, do they? I don't know. I, I should look at that app. on the A42 that I'm reviewing right now. But I just I'm pretty, I, pretty I, sure that's I, I just, just an app. Messages Plus in a folder and unlock and open Google Messages anyway. I mean, at the very least, they won't have to develop that app anymore. I don't think if they're going to go to Google Messages. Oh no, no, there's and- there's still. They've they said that they're still going to support that Why? for people who want to use it. I don't know. Maybe they thought they could gain business if they offered their own rich messaging experience that only worked between Verizon customers. I I don't know what what their you know thought process was, but uh, the way I see it, Google did the work, did the solution. Now I don't have to. Hell yeah, sign me up. Yeah, no. That's how I'd have done it. This also does mean that basically the only holdout for RCS in the United States is Apple, which is the and bummer. Comcast. And you know that's well, never happening. How is Comcast uh, a big know, holdout? They don't really have that much of a mobile a presence. <laughs> I was making a joke. Comcast, I don't I mean, the only time I ever say their name is when it's a joke. I mean, Spectrum has a cell phone, has a mobile network. They have Spectrum Mobile, but Comcast could have something. I think, and Alex, I'm going to disagree with you here. You said Apple will never do it. I think that's why Verizon's waiting until mid-2022 when Apple, after the next version of iOS comes out, and they just support, instead of a regular SMS message in iMessage, now it can be an RCS message with you know, still limited whatever in iMessage all they all they really need to do is support the encryption uh you know that that's pretty much google's thing our google follows the rcs standard for everything else so you know the only thing they have to depend or bend to google's will which a lot of people you know that's why they won't do it they don't want to bend to google's will no it would be you know support the encryption standard and I, I don't think Apple would be adverse to doing that now that every U.S. carrier, the experience can be the same. Before this, with Verizon not supporting RCS, Apple had a valid reason. You know, we want the experience between every iPhone to be the same. Well, now it can be the same and support RCS. I just don't think, I, you know, as, as small of a threat as RCS is to, to iMessage, I just can't see anyone being able to give Apple any compelling reason to to adopt it to be able to you know to in, introduce something that could eventually privacy th- there like, is that privacy is a reason to use RCS over the, just standard SMS isn't it um it is but not when you have a vested interest in um purpose you know locking people into your own private um uh you yeah. know SMS alternative well i mean think about it this way how many of us have to use SMS two factor for websites that don't have like either virtual keys or use authy all of those are unencrypted. And yeah, and that's not going away. Aww. It's still going to be, you know, SMS isn't going to die. No, but if they could start using RCS for those types of things, that would be better security for the company, better mm-hmm. security for the users. And that would be incentive for Apple to be like, okay, so now all of your SMS me- messages are encrypted so long as any, so long as both people in the chain are using RCS, which now that it's going to be the default for all of the carriers, RCS will be the default. 
right? I, Potentially. <laughs> I would assume. I mean, I, I, I guess all like regional carriers that piggyback off of other networks. I, I don't know what the status is like, you know, Cell South or any of those companies. Uh, if they're not already using it, it wouldn't be difficult for them to make the transition because the network's already ready. And like I said before, Google did all the work. Uh, so I, I, I guess that it could be just a, a, a transition, it, you know, would require a little reconfiguration for like Amazon or Twitter or whoever's sending you two factor codes, but it shouldn't be that difficult. Wow. In any event, RCS will finally reach, uh, RCS for Google Messages will finally reach Verizon in the middle of next year. So we have time for other developments on that front. I hope. I would love to see RCS become Verizon standard for their everybody. Mind. I mean, they already basically changed their mind because all the carriers are like, <laughs> oh, screw Google's RCS. We're going to make our own. And then they realized, oh, this is going to be big and it's complicated and it's going to be more money. Never That's mind, Google. We're we're just gonna take your <laughs> we're just gonna take your homework and copy it. We're good. Alrighty, so Alex, I have a quick question about your UK vaccine story because I want to know how the hell did the NHS screw that QR code thing up that badly? Because this is an app that you need it to work every single time, every single phone. So what yeah, happened? Yeah. <laughs> so um just to, to give a bit of an introduction to the story, um we broke the news this week that the um, NHS app, which acts, uh, you know, in addition to a bunch of other stuff to do with healthcare in the UK, um, acts as your vac vaccine passport for um, domestic domestic events in the within the UK and also travel um, abroad. Uh, you know, there are various deals being worked out that other countries will eventually recognise this and will recognise theirs. So effectively, it's the thing that you'll need at the border to prove that you've been vaccinated. Um, and the issue is um, because. Well, in part because the NHS app on Android is basically just a wrapper for their website. Um, whether you're on the web or whether you're using the app on, on Android to get this code, the codes for travel um, do not show correctly on uh, a bunch of popular Android phones. So the Galaxy S21 series um, and a bunch of quite recent OnePlus phones, uh, not including the Nord 2, by the way, because that's uh, technically ColorOS behind the scenes. Um, so the deal is what it'll do when the, the code appears on screen is it'll chop the side off and basically the code won't scan. And there are ways around that. Like you can go on the web and sign in using desktop mode in Chrome and that will work. Um, there is a section of the app that will give you a PDF, though it's not clear if that will work um, or if that will be accepted. If you show it on screen as opposed to printing it out, PDF obviously is a A4 sheet of paper. You're supposed to print it out instead of showing it on your phone. Um, so it's obviously not good if someone, you know, sees the code there, says, okay, great, time to go on vacation, um, shows up and that code won't scan. In theory, you know, if you don't figure out a way around it, then, you know, you could either have to go into quarantine when you arrive, or you could just be, if it's a foreign country, you could just be denied entry. So potentially consequences are quite serious, although there are decent um, ways to work around that. The main workaround that we found, uh, and this is probably to do with the actual cause of the bug, is the screen zoom setting. I think it's called display size on some phones. So you go in there, you change that to anything besides the default setting on these affected Samsung and OnePlus phones, and it'll show just fine. And it's it's obviously like a, a pretty basic layout bug to do with um, that feature interacting weirdly with the whatever HTML they're using to, to show this in their, their app. Um, so it's not great. Um, it's uh, you know something that kind of underscores the you know the 
pitfalls of developing for Android and also the sort of technical challenges that we're going to have with these apps when, uh, you know, travel eventually opens up uh, more widely. You know, I can't believe they didn't fix it that night when when they were made aware of it. I because, mean, we made them aware. Of, I made them aware of it like a week yeah. before we published the story. So. <laughs> because all, um, all they need to do is go to the website and fire up some, you know, a text editor and put some padding around the QR yep. code. Easy fix. And and that would fix it. But the the root problem is Google needs to do something about screen screen zooming and that kind of stuff for these you know narrow phones it does uh, because every, every company implements it a little bit differently and i know it's it's not important but oh it's totally man, oh, my important galaxy, but no what i'm gonna say isn't is it nearly as important i hate watching youtube videos on my s21 because i have two choices i can pinch it way in and have a big black box around it or I can watch it full screen and cut off every edge. And that's something Google needs to sort out. Manufacturers are going to use this aspect ratio because it makes their phone better. Uh, Android needs to just do it rather than a manufacturer have to sort it out. Um, yeah, I mean, it just underscores the the difficulty that you know people have had developing for Android for a long time that, uh, you know, you change it tiny, tiny things in the framework, and it can have unforeseen consequences uh, like this. This time, it's an important thing. I mean, Alex hit it right on the head. Just imagine the nightmare it would be. You've got your family all packed up. You're at the airport, and because of some stupid glitch on your phone, you have to tell the kids they don't get to go see grandma next, you know, tomorrow, and you head back home. I will say, I think that if you're on a phone that has this issue, the best thing to do is just Change your screen size, change your display zoom once, log into the app, log into the website, screenshot the QR code, and then just put that in a special folder in whatever gallery app you have. So that way you have it, it's ready. Yeah, and you can. You can yeah. J- um, you'll need to do that. We do that every few weeks because the code ex- expires. It's the same issue that this app has with um, the Google Pay way of saying it. So if you save it to Google ah. Pay, ev- eventually it'll expire. You need to go and do it again, which is a bit annoying. But um, yeah, that would be, you know, at most it's like once every few weeks. So it's not a huge deal. Um, and that would be a, a decent way around it. Yeah. And yeah, if, if you're in the UK and you plan on traveling anytime in the next week or two, just do it now. Go to an office supply store and print, print the PDF. That's true too. That's a super easy solution. It does the probably PDF doesn't. PDF expire though. The PDF does expire. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I imagine it's a weekly rotation, like the QR code. Uh, I think it's it's more than weekly. I think it's uh, uh, like four weeks or something like that. Oh well. Yeah. Go go print it if you're going to travel anytime in the very near future, and hopefully this gets fixed because it's just so dumb. I mean, it also underscores the importance of developers needing to pay attention to, like, because material uh, material design has had guidelines around this forever. Google has had adaptive sizing and frameworks for Android apps for years, but they still don't get yeah, used properly. Those got thrown out the window when you need to adapt your screen to a non-standard resolution. And I, what what is the Pixel 5? Is it 18? It's by nine, twenty by nine, approximately. I think. I mean, this twenty by nine. And again, so, this. I don't think this is a, an aspect ratio issue as, no. as so much as it's to do with it, like how it's arranged around that aspect ratio. Yeah, but the screen zooming solution 
for the phone is based on its aspect ratio. And if you want Samsung to handle that for their phones, that's fine. But then you need to, you know, assume that every single web view, the web page it's showing is going to be correctly coded to not cut off the sides. And you can't assume that. That there's just a solution needs to be found and it's Google's responsibility to find it. Yeah, it's it's a mess, but hopefully it gets fixed soon. The beauty of living in Florida is that I'm never going to get a vaccination passport like this. So I'm just going to have to carry the card freaking everywhere forever. But hey, at least some people will get QR codes. (laughs) Alrighty, so we're going to take one more quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about what's making us happy. Hey, ACP listeners, we're going to take a quick second to talk about Hover, one of our sponsors. Hover is one of those companies that you've definitely interacted with on the internet, whether you know it or not. It's a jumping off point for a ton of entrepreneurs, and they want you to start your business with a domain name. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from when building your brand online. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. You'll find excellent technical support available to answer any questions you may have. Their support team doesn't upsell you. They only work hard to help you get online. With free Whois privacy protection, a clean UI, and monthly sales on popular top-level domains, it's hard not to see why Hover is a popular choice for people starting all kinds of businesses. Now, I've had a chance to use the UI, and they're not lying. Hover is extremely easy to use. You can find the right domain for you and buy it really, really quickly. And if you have an idea for a domain, check it out. Go to hover.com slash ACP and get the domain name that you've been waiting for. And if you go to hover.com slash ACP, you get a 10% discount with our referral link on all purchases. That's right. 10% off your domain name at hover.com slash ACP. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Alrighty, we're back. And I lied a teeny tiny bit. There is one more thing I want to touch on before we get into what makes us happy because it's something that makes me very, very sad that it has happened twice in a month now. On either Monday or Tuesday, a Chrome OS update pushed out and immediately locked thousands of users (laughs) out of their Chromebooks. And it was caused by a single typo in the update. This is the second time that Google has pushed out a update to the stable channel in a month that caused massive problems. And I just want to know what's going on with the Chrome OS team. Did everybody take vacation the last six weeks during this release cycle? I know that we're going to different release cycles this fall, but this is kind of insane, right? Like, Jerry, Alex, Harish, when was the last time, like, a Windows update was this catastrophically bad? Yesterday, the day before <laughs> that, yeah, the day before that. Basically, every single Windows update. Yeah. I think the last one. Or how many ruined... Windows updates, like, bricked their, uh, bricked their laptop Lots. and wouldn't let them log back in? Lots of them. Really? Yeah. It can't be this common. It's this is the problem. We 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 bitch and complain about rolling rollouts, which that's a stupid term, but that's what they're called. Where a few phones get an update or a few laptops get an update, and then they monitor it and then they release a few more. That's how you prevent this. That's the only way you prevent this. Uh yes, you could say everybody should be perfect and never make a typo. That's not that's not realistic. Well, no, but there are four, there are three 
Chrome software channels it has to get to before it gets to the stable channel. We have Canary, we have uh, Dev, we have Beta, and then we have Stable. I want to know how it got into the stable, but didn't well, mess things it, up in the previous three and and find a solution. This typo wasn't present when it went through Canary and Beta and Dev, or it would have locked up computers then. It's just something when they prepared it to send out on the stable channel, they did they something that misconfigured it. Yep. And the only way you prevent this is to have, you know, the troll out where just a few people get it. And then the world complains, we all want it now. Well, this is what comes with getting it now all at once. Well, this is also why Chrome OS is getting a uh, long-term update option for businesses and education sector, because I'm sure anybody in either of those segments that took that update earlier this week just cursed everything trying to get their Chromebooks back up and running. As bad things you can do over the, in terms of over-the-air updates go, there's probably the... The one thing that um, you know, developers have nightmares about this kind of thing. Um, I remember one of one of our friends who who worked on Android a long time ago um, used to tell us that the one bit of code that he was absolutely terrified of was was breaking the code uh, to do with updates because then uh, actually being able to update beyond that becomes becomes a problem. So if you introduce a bug there, then not only do you have a broken device, but you've broken the the means of which you can update it in future. And uh, and thankfully, um, we're not in a position where this has happened with Chrome, but you could imagine um, something which, you know, if something like this happens again, you could imagine um, it potentially not being fixable easily uh, in, in another over-the-air update. Well, thankfully for us, you could... If you're if you got cr- locked out of your Chromebook, you could go into guest mode and update it and get back to the stable version that actually works. But for some Chromebooks, it sent them into a boot loop, and then they had to go find a USB recovery. They had to go make a USB recovery stick, stick it in, and re-image the laptop. Even worse, if your only computer was a Chromebook, yes, you, you didn't know. You didn't know how to. You didn't even know how to fix the problem. And then when you looked on your phone and found how to fix the problem, you couldn't do it. I mean, you could probably find a computer lab somewhere that would do it. I mean, Chrome yeah, Utility thing is just a Chrome extension, so. It's, I have to uh, imagine that's useful, that's usable in a web cafe somewhere. I just, you know, it's dumb. Yes. It's dumb, but it's our own fault for wanting all updates as fast as possible all at one time. This is what happens, and in, it's the reason that updates on Windows go bad. It's the reason updates on Mac OS or iOS, because they send them out all at once. And that is just crazy. Well, hope, hopefully it's the last main screw up Chrome OS has between now and I think it was Chrome OS 93 when they're <laughs> going to branch between, okay, we have our regular update cycle and we're going to have these six month updates for those of you who need absolute stability and don't need new features every single month. So hopefully nothing else happens before that happens and then I'll be happy. That does work because uh, Ubuntu, the Linux distribution, they have what they call long-term stable mm-hmm. that just gets extra testing. And, and you know, it's, it's updated longer, but it's also updated later. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that will be very, that will be very nice to see, especially considering Chrome OS's two main buyers are businesses that can't afford to have any downtime. And schools that can't afford to go fix 10,000 computers when a Chrome OS update goes bad. So 
I'm happy that Google is finally implementing that, but that is not what is making me happy this week. So would anybody like to start or should I kick things off? I think you should kick things off. (laughs) Nobody? Okay, well, I'm back in Texas right now. So um, last weekend, I drove with my mother to Fredericksburg and we got peaches because I know that Georgia is known for peaches. I know there are several places in the country that are known for peaches, but the peaches in Fredericksburg, Texas are absolutely the best. And I I was (laughs) afraid I wasn't going to get any because I was so late coming home this summer. But we got some. They're good. I'm going to go cut one up and eat one for dessert after I have lunch after our next meeting. But they are what are making me happy. So the entire population of Gaffney, South Carolina is now going to come find you for saying that their peaches aren't the best. Bring it on. Bring me samples. I'm happy to be proven wrong. They even they have a, a water tower that's shaped like a peach. Um, <laughs> I think I remember the shape of that one, and I'm not sure peach was actually the shape. <laughs> no, it's I've been there. It's it's a peach. <laughs> it's painted like a peach. That that peach everything is peach. The town is just inside like James and the giant peach. Alrighty. So, Harish, what is making you happy? Um, I'm reading this fantasy series called Shanara. I think it has like 40 books in the entire series. I just wanted something that's easy to read. And the first few are basically just identical to The Lord of the Rings. But then the story gets better after that. So I'm now in book 10 or 12. I don't remember, but it's nice. I mean, it's a formal formulaic series. There's nothing different. Um, Bad guys come, different bad guys come at the start of every book. And then there's all... There's magic and then the whole good versus evil, that sort of stuff. But it's a fun read. I'm sorry. Did you say four, 40, like 4-0 book series or 14, yeah. like 1-4? 40. Oh, God, that's a lot of reading. I tried reading trilogies and cycles, but then I go through them in a week and then I have to find new ones. So now I'm just sticking to things that have at least 20 or more books. Yeah, I spent about four Actually, no, that was probably about six hours reading last night, and I just kept trying to find more and more to read. It's a never-ending cycle. <laughs> Arish, I get the feeling you read like I do. You start a book, and you don't stop till it's done. Yeah, that's how I do. And I'm actually reading using dark mode on my Kindle for the first time, and I really like it. it took me a few days to get adjusted to it, but it's Welcome. nice. Welcome. Welcome to the dark mode club. Dark mode, all the things, especially for reading. It makes it so much easier when I'm just trying to binge while I'm laying in bed wondering why my medicine hasn't kicked in yet. Yeah. Alrighty. So Alex, Alex, what do you got? What's making you happy? So um, I, perhaps a little bit weird to say this is making me happy, but uh, you know, I usually like to sort of highlight creators and, and YouTubers often on in this segment. Uh, so what uh, I've been watching this past a couple of weeks, I guess, is a channel called Nexpo. Uh, originally, I think it was called Nightmare Expo. And um, this guy sort of goes into a lot of different topics. So sometimes ARGs, um, sometimes just mysterious stories. Um, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of sort of horror-themed stuff on there, um, but, uh, you know, not necessarily like jump scares, that kind of stuff, but, um, uh, you know, more sort of highlighting... Uh, you know, for example, Reddit mysteries, disturbing stuff on Reddit. Um, uh, you know, like I said, ARGs. Uh, it's just a, it's a real mix of like semi weird, semi slightly horror ish, disturbing sort of uh, content, and it's uh, it's it's a good watch. Even if you're not a huge horror fan, I'd recommend you check out some of his stuff. 
I will take your word for it because I am not a horror fan at all. I prefer things that make me happy as opposed to thing that, things that make me feel dread. There's enough in the real world that causes that. Yeah, I would not. I mean, okay, there there is a little bit of that, but it isn't. Um, yeah, I would say it's more sort of. Is it more of like a creep factor than more of like a jump scare factor? Yeah, yeah, it's more of that. I think, okay. uh, and it does vary. You know, yeah, series it varies from from video to video, and uh, you know, it, on, it has ver- varying degrees of of disturbingness that you can usually tell from from the title of the thumbnail. But um, yeah, the guy's a really good storyteller, and um, uh, yeah, a lot of these are longer watches as well. So if you appreciate that, then uh, definitely check it out. All righty, Jerry, what's making you happy? Time for everybody to laugh at me, but uh, I finally watched The Tomorrow War, and I don't like Chris Pratt. I'm sorry. This is your chance to laugh at me. But, nope, uh, you're, you're good. Keep going. <laughs> that was a pretty good movie. It, it, you know, it, was, it just sounds so dumb, and uh, I saw a few people talking about it. I'm like, yeah, this just sounds really dumb. I was bored and I watched it and it's a pretty good movie. And I don't know. I like it when I'm wrong, uh, you know, and find something good to watch at the same time. I'm not saying that it's a movie I want to see a million times or that I'm ready to watch it again right away. And some movies just do that. But if if you're on the fence about that movie, it's it's probably worth the two hours just to watch it. Ignore the corniness and ignore Chris Pratt. But the rest of it's good. No, I mean, the corniness is part of what helps make a bad movie watchable. And I mean, there are plenty of dumb movies that I love to watch. Like, I'm somebody who watched The Expendables and was just like, okay, I'm just here to have a good time watching two hours of explosions and action heroes, like, one-upping each other. See, I I expected this movie just to be, you know, some sort of, like, meme fest of stupidity. And that's how we're going to make it a comedy adventure movie. Let's just do really dumb stuff. But it's got an actual plot, and it's the plot is better than it looks on paper. It's still dumb, and it's still really corny in a lot of places. And it's not endearing because it's dumb and corny. It's just good enough that you can ignore the dumbness, at least for me. I mean, the plot can't be any worse than Act 3 of Without Remorse, so... Like, there's got to be a... If there's a competition for what was the dumbest movie on Amazon Prime this year, The Tomorrow War has a slight opportunity to compete, but not as much as others that have been put out. Yeah, I agree with that. This was a a good enough movie to to watch. Alrighty, so I think that about wraps it up for us this week because we all need to run to a meeting in a couple of minutes. Sorry, guys, we had to cut this one short today. But before then, if you have any tips, if you want to grouse to us about the OnePlus Nord 2 not coming to America, if you want to grouse to us about us bashing on Verizon for not switching to RCS soon enough, feel free to send it to, what is it, tips at AC, or podcast at androidcentral.com, and yep. then we will catch you all next week. I am R. Wagco on Twitter, Jerry is GB Hill, Harish is Chunky Nerd, and Alex Doby is Alex Doby. So... That's it for this week, guys. We will see y'all next week. And yes, Vader will be back to take the reins because I am obviously not cut out for this. Have a good evening, day, whatever time it is, wherever you are. Bye. Adios. Bye.